Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. What's up, you guys? Welcome to the May the 4th edition of the Rotor World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher, getting ready to talk some Last Dance episodes 5 and 6. With me to do so is Dr. A, Steve Alexander. What's up, man? Not much, man. Uh, dealing with some household stuff today. Got some internet issues, got some pest control issues, but we are here and ready to talk a little MJ, a little gambling, a little uh, bloody feet. Hey man, oh man, the bloody feet, that was uh, right after my own heart there, so, um, we'll get to that in a second. So yeah, if you're new to the pod, we're pretty much just going to run over what happened on the last two episodes from Sunday night, May the 3rd, it's May the 4th, Star Wars Day, you pumped or what? Oh yeah, yeah. Star Wars Day. Let's Empire go. Empire all day, best Star Wars movie? Uh, I'm a I'm an Empire fan. Very it's yeah. it's probably it's probably my favorite one of the sure. uh, yeah. of the first so six anyway. Je- Jedi's still pretty good, but we won't get into that. Uh, a lot of people bash Jedi. It's whatever. Anyways, so it started off right off the bat with a you know in, in loving memory to Kobe Bryant, and it's still sad. You know, just that's we're we're never gonna forget where we were when we found out about Kobe, and it was just really cool to see him. You know, take him under his wing and. Uh, even after the show, Jackie Mack and Wilbon were saying that Kobe was calling Jordan like every day, and it was really cool. Um, they, you know, they, they talked about the little Laker guy wanted to take over and all that, and it was great that it was at Madison Square Garden too, which was really cool. But um, what do you make of the whole Kobe MJ stuff? Yeah, I mean, I had one word written down, and that was sad because um, <laughs> it, it just made me sad. It's like the first time we've really seen, or the first time I've really seen Kobe. Um, you know, in a in a TV show like this where he's no longer with us to, to give us his thoughts, so it was it was sad, um, and, and it was interesting hearing Jordan say, you know, that that Lakers kid, you know, he just he just he just wants to go against the flow, and you know, you miss your first four shots if you want me to pass you a ball again, you're gonna have to get a rebound, son. <laughs> and uh, that was that was pretty cool, the, the, uh, just that interaction in the locker room and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty neat to see, um, you know, just the behind the scenes and like they kind of knew it. And I feel like you know everyone in that at that time, the whole basketball world is like you know Kobe is kind of after his rookie season. It's like oh yeah, this guy's gonna be really good. And um, yeah, they have a lot of similarities for you know being very very scoring dependent guys and super duper athletic. You know, impact pretty much right away. Obviously the championship pedigree too. So but yeah, it was pretty cool. And then um, if you had time or if you still have time, you do. I'm sure you do. Um, watching, uh, I watched Jordan's speech at Staples uh, after COVID. That, like watching that again is like it's just to see him that vulnerable in the moment and describing everything about their relationships. Basically, as like brothers, older brother and younger brother, is uh, pretty fascinating. Yeah, and I like the way he he kind of made fun of himself. You know, the, the Jordan meme, <laughs> the crying <laughs> yeah. meme, crying Jordan is coming that back again for the next three years, and that was cool. Um, and the whole the whole thing also makes me really want to go back and watch Jordan's Hall of Fame speech again, just because because so much of episode five and six was him, 
him taking things so personally, even if nothing was meant personally by, you know, Clyde Drexler and Tony Kukoc and anybody else that, that anyone dare compare to Jordan, he's like, oh man, I'm going to go shut that guy down. Yeah. And, and that's basically what he would do. And, uh, you know, the way those guys, Pippen and, and Jordan went after Tony Kukoc, uh, in the Olympics was, was pretty incredible that first game. Yeah. So the, this is the 98 All-Star game. So I talked a lot about how the music was on point like pretty much every time they were talking about specific stories. I had an issue, a major issue, um, with the first two songs they played for the 98 All-Star game. They played Can I Kick It by Tribe Called Quest. That song came out in 1990. I was really upset with that. That's you know pretty much whole, almost a whole decade. Um, when they again they were they played hip hop hooray they played the black sheep you can get with this you can get with that song uh, outclass uh, the Quimini, Rosa Park song ninety eight for Atlanta for the Atlanta game and then if I ruled the world came out in nineteen ninety six it was written Nas great, great album Nas great as Omatic but uh, that made me mad I was like oh dude you, they, and they felt like they were batting a thousand and so ever since then I was checking you know going on my phone like seeing what year the music came out versus when it was being played and yeah like I said everything else seemed to be right on point. But uh, that made me a little mad. I was not mad because, first of all, <laughs> I didn't think about it that deeply. And secondly, I love Tribe. I love Can I Kick It. Uh, and you're right. It was definitely around 90 because that's, that's when I remember uh, listening to it like right right as I was graduating from college. But uh, I was just happy the song was in there. I was like, oh, I, I like this yeah. song. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, the, the songs in this one, and I don't know about previous ones, but they were they were not uh, in tune with the with the year like I they th- had been. I think those are the only two, though. Like I said, I mentioned those other ones. But, uh, oh, I, by, by the way, I love Tribe. I'm, Midnight Marauders are all my, one of my, few of my favorite albums. Um, okay, so the next thing they talked about was the shoe stuff. So this is I, again. I'm I have very very too many I would say pairs of Jordans in my closet, um, and it was fascinating to see that they were like you know Adidas. He wanted to go to Adidas, but they couldn't make a shoe for him. And then the Nike exec had said that most guys were getting around 100k for shoe deals, and you know they paid him 250k, and that was you know astronomically high. So I looked up what some other guys are getting nowadays. LeBron got 87 million as a rookie from Nike. Uh, and he actually turned down uh, $115 million from Reebok. So I didn't really research it, but I think part of that was because LeBron just holds Jordan you know, such high regard, and I think he wanted to kind of carry the torch kind of a la Kobe. Uh, and then also Zion, who was not nearly as highly touted as LeBron. I mean, LeBron was pretty much on Sports Illustrated as a high schooler multiple times, um, you know, the chosen one, and it's amazing that he's – you know, pretty much exceeded expectations. Um, but Zion got a $75 million shoe deal from Jordan, too. So um, it's just, and again, they talked about it in the show, it just really paved the way for shoes just not being for basketball and being a fashion statement. And, I mean, I've fallen victim to that. I don't even want to tell you how much money I've spent on Jordans. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was just really cool. Um, and then to tie into that, uh, I loved how Jordan was, like, bashing the ones when he was wearing them at the garden uh, with the beautiful black Chicago Bulls jerseys. Uh, and he's like, yeah, my feet were bleeding um, versus the thir- the, the 13s. That's the shoe he's wearing for most of this 97-98 season. That is the most underrated Jordan shoe, in my opinion. Uh, I think it's the second best Jordan shoe ever. It's super dur- if you ever, if you have a pair, it's super, super durable. It's one of the, you know, if you have, I have bad ankles. So it's like great for your ankles. And they're just this beautiful shoe. 
Um, so I, I love me some Air Jordan 13s, and I, I loved hearing Jordan bash the, the ones, uh, which I think are a little overrated. I get the nostalgia factor. But, uh, yeah, it's just, too, just shoe culture is arguably, you know, pretty close to arguably about the impact that he made in that versus, like, the NBA. Yeah, it's all Jordan, man. And and then what was cool is I, I had forgotten that he wore the the Jordan ones for game for his last game in Madison Square Garden. Like that Same. was the whole point of why he wore them. And uh, you know, he laced he was lacing them up himself and putting them on and going out there. And, and he said they were killing his feet. And then afterwards, he said that his feet, his socks were actually bloody when he <laughs> when he took his shoes off, which was crazy to me. Um, Nobody plays basketball in Jordan ones anymore, and I, I guess that's the reason why. But it was interesting. They said they signed him for 250k, and they were hoping to sell three million dollars worth of Jordans over a three-year period, and they sold 126 million in the first year. And it's like wow. And and you know then then the threes came out, and and uh, he was rocking those in the dunk contest and that whole season, and that's when it all really. Blew up. That's my favorite Jordan. Is, three, is the three. Yeah. But I, I'm not really a Jordan, a Jordan heir. I, I don't have a lot of pairs of Jordans, but the threes are my favorites. Yeah, threes are I think are my third or fourth, fourth. I like 11, 12, 13th, Then I go threes, fours, and then I'm after that. Um, yeah. The, the other thing that the other thing that's interesting about that is, uh, you know, Jordan when the when the ones came out, Converse was dominating the NBA, and. Uh, I have 35 pairs of game worn shoes from the early 80s, and almost I would say 20 of those 35 are Converse, eight are Adidas. I have one pair of Nikes from Dudley Bradley. They're they're <laughs> low cut uh, Bantams or what? <laughs> they're they're just like the the lowest end leather Nike basketball <laughs> shoe you could buy back then. Maybe Bruin. I, I forget what they were called. But uh, and then uh, and then I had like. Clyde Drexler wore kangaroos. Akeem and Carl Malone gave me a tonics. But it, it was just wild to see the transformation because back then it was all Converse and Adidas, and now it, it's so dominated by Nike, and that's that's all Jordan, man. Yeah, I have. I did. I I grew up in the East Coast. I grew up in New Jersey, and I, I kind of like hated Jordan, but uh, I definitely loved the sneaker game. Um, and obviously, as I've gotten older, I, Jordan is amazing. But uh, yeah, it's just so cool to see, and it's just. That that Converse Weapons commercial with uh, Bernard King, Larry Bird with like the the whitest rap with the MVP rap like, of all time, <laughs> Magic. Uh, it was just cool to see again. Like they're like, yeah, you know, you're not quite at that level, Jordan. You know, you got to kind of earn it. And like, all right, and it, it's it's crazy. He didn't even want to go to Nike at first until his mom told like, if you wanted to do the whole like butterfly effect thing, you know, would sneaker culture be what it is? And I mean, God, like you mentioned, like. With the, Nike without Jordan, they wouldn't be where they are, right? I mean, that's probably an easy take, right? No. Yeah. No. So, they would not. Yeah, so just uh, um, whoever made that move is is pretty much the goat of, uh, of shoe signings. Yeah, yeah. Um, something else that happened right around this time in the show was Jordan went out there and decided he was going to shoot three-pointers, and he, <laughs> he hit five in the first half of a finals game in 92 and, and set a record, a first-half record for the NBA Finals with five three-pointers. And and it's funny to think that Jordan, the guy that's really known for not shooting three-pointers, was the guy who held that record or, you know, set that record. Obviously, it's been shattered um, several times by then. But I, I thought that was interesting that Jordan had five threes and a half in a finals game. Yeah, that was, that was great. Um, you know, he pretty much 
took offense to the whole Clyde Drexler comment. And going back to episode three, I want to say, I don't know if I talked about this. I know I wanted to talk about it, so let's talk about it again real quick. So when Jordan got drafted, got drafted third, obviously. Hakeem, you know, obviously even though we know you take Jordan, but Hakeem was still a great pick. Um, would be an amazing pick if Jordan wasn't so good. Uh, and then so Rob Thorne had, I think, I don't know, anyways. Um, he said the Blazers didn't, weren't going to take Jordan because they had Clyde Drexler. Which is insane nowadays. Like if you like nowadays, positionless basketball. Take the best player. So Sam Bowie, he was probably what like top ten in that draft class. He wasn't like a disaster. Still had an okay career, but like not picking Michael Jordan because he played the same position, like that would just not fly anymore. Um, you take the, if you pick that high in the draft, and you know you're not a good team. You take the best player. So uh, I just thought that was kind of kind of crazy. It's also interesting. They passed on Jordan to take Bowie, yeah. Bowie, and then uh, the whole Katie. Um, oh, what's the big man's name? Oh, Greg Oden. Oden. Yeah, Greg Oden thing. And, you know they they got burned twice. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. bad. Yep. Yeah, the Oden, the man Oden was gonna be so good. He, there's always the like you um, you know if you can make one player healthy over his career. You know, obviously most people say Bo Jackson. But uh, I would have loved to see Greg Oden really develop. You know, he would have been a fantasy stud, man. Shot blocker who could make free throws. Would have been baller. Yeah, um, yeah. and and Len, Len Bias. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Len Bias. Uh, to, to, I would I would have liked to see him play in the pros. Yeah. Uh, so this around this time too. This is the Team USA time you mentioned, uh, and a great quote. You know, uh, after. Well, they said he scored eight or ten straight, eight straight or whatever. After Magic, you know, kind of trash talked him, and then in practice. Got, yeah, in practice, yep. But and actually, side note, um, Magic had made a point that empty arenas could still be, you know, uh, viable because he he pointed out that you know playing in an empty arena against Jordan and the Team USA guys is like you know a good exhibit a of you know it could work and players could still have their competitive spirits going and all that. Um, but yeah, that, that quote, Mike, Michael Jordan proved he was the alpha alpha period. I mean, that just sums up Jordan, like the alphas of the alphas. That was definitely that. And, uh, I have a competition problem were probably my two favorite quotes from last night. Oh, I love that. I have a competition problem. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't have a gambling problem. I just have a competition <laughs> problem. Yeah. Like, it's like, do you have an alcohol problem? No, I just like to drink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, the other thing that was interesting, well, first of all, that practice you mentioned, Jordan like took over that game, and at that point, everybody realized like he's the guy, like it, it's it's done, like we are we are we've officially passed the torch, mm. and then the whole Isaiah stuff came into play, like <laughs> I wasn't Isaiah on the dream team, and you know, Jordan gets universally ripped for, or not, I don't know if he gets ripped, but he he takes the the lion's share of the blame for for Isaiah not being on that team, but they made a point that. Lots of guys had problems with Isaiah, and lots of guys on that team. Pippen didn't like Isaiah. I don't think Barkley liked Isaiah. Uh, they mentioned a couple other guys that got into it with Isaiah, and I don't think any of them really wanted him on that team. And and the thing that they all love about that experience so much was the team chemistry and how they all got along and how they all bonded and how amazing it all was. And and with Isaiah in the middle of that, it may not have gone that smoothly. They still would have won. Obviously. Obviously, but uh, I don't think I don't think any of them regret Isaiah not being on that team. I think the only one that regrets it is Isaiah. Yeah, and then uh, to that point, the, and I think one of the kind of highlight too uh, over this, 
Magic Johnson, man, he he can talk. He's got so much charisma. Like you know, when he's describing things and he's talking about playing Michael when he would lose and he wanted to put his foot on his throat when he lost when he lost money to him and just uh I'm an appreciation for Magic Johnson as just a, a speaker and uh just the confidence he has and just you know the and he's just so just like I just love him. I just love hearing him describe stuff. Um but yeah. Um moving on I guess to uh the Tony Ku coach and, and you gotta love all the mispronunciations uh of Kukok and Kukoc. all this Kukoc, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty funny to me. But um yeah, so that was I love that. That they were like, all right, and you know, Michael's like Michael summed it up. He says, Yeah, you know, I respect Tony, I love him and everything. But he was just brought in the wrong way. Um because He was Jerry's boy. Jerry Krause, yeah, again. And just to give some uh some career highlights, he was five time Euro player of the year, four time Mr. Europe, he's the MVP of the FIBA championships in nineteen ninety. Um so this guy is, you know, really one of the best European players. He'd be Probably, you know, he'd get all the pub, much like uh, Curse Abs or Luca and so on. Um, but yeah, so, so that was really cool to see him. Like, oh, yep, Scotty and I got this. Uh, and then they pretty much shut him down. So that was four points. Cool. He scored four points in that first game. Yeah, uh, against the USA, and it was all Pippen and all Jordan just just trying to annihilate him every time down the court. Yeah. I felt I actually felt bad for Tony last night watching that. Like that was rough. Yeah. And like they were saying, like he's playing Euro ball versus playing against the best. Like they're called the Dream Team for a reason. You know, it's like the best basketball team arguably ever assembled. At the time, it was for sure the best basketball team ever assembled. But uh, yeah, to go from that to you know getting going against Pippen, who's you know all time NBA defender, it's just uh, hilarious. Um, and yeah, it was really cool. And he, you know, he uh, he kind of showed out a little bit more in the second game in the gold medal game, which was cool. Um, just a couple. I think other- he scored six, 16 in that one. Yeah, so he still played pretty well. Um, then uh, just a couple other notes. Uh, so it was kind of crazy if you if you follow the NBA closely. Uh, Kukoc was pretty much a twenty one usage rate guy when he was you know with the Bulls and MJ and you know he was you know pretty much a number three ish four ish guy. Um, and then when MJ left, uh, he jumped up to a twenty eight usage rate. So that's like pretty clear one A one B kind of usage. I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, and then also he was super efficient. He was um, uh, 59 true shooting in 95-96. So you know he's a good good player. Uh, I, I know people who had a lot of a lot of people had Kukoc jerseys when I was growing up. Um, you know he's he's good. Well, and he ended up being a big part of what the Bulls did later. I mean he he ended up being a, another great move by by Jerry Krause. Mm-hmm. And one of my buddies today sent me a text. He's like, I'm watching this thing. Like, how could Jerry Reinsdorf let let this GM destroy what they had in Chicago. I'm like, well, that that same GM also built the whole thing. Like, like Jerry Krause is he's such a I don't know if polarizing figure is the right word, but man, like he built something incredible, but he also made it self destruct or he destructed it on his own. Uh, I, I don't know, man. It's just it's just a really weird. Um, front office situation that we've never I don't recall ever seeing it before or since that that one guy was so loved for for the moves that he made but so hated for the way he acted as a human being yeah it's just nuts yeah they always wrote like I love the MJ like mini roast like you know comparing guys to Jerry and talked about like a posting up and all this but uh yeah that was really cool uh and then just the last dream team note I wanted to mention uh, Harvey Schiller, what a D word! Uh, that, that was great, and I just thought that it's it's hilarious to me 
that of all names, the guy's last name is literally Schiller about like for, forcing a Reebok logo to be on the USA logo. Like he's like a shill, like to the fullest extent. And actually, I looked up the definition of shill, an accomplice of a hawker, gambler, or swindler who acts as an enthusiastic customer to entice or encourage others. Like, that's Harvey Schiller. <laughs> I was just cracking up over that. Like, that's like calling Michael Jordan Michael basketball player, you know? <laughs> anyway, some stupid. Yeah. And it was cool seeing Jordan in the car on the way to the ceremony. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to cover this up. Don't worry. <laughs> he put the flag over yeah. Schiller and yeah. covered it up. And he's like, I'm not going to uh, Reebok. I, Nike pays me, not Reebok. So, yeah. yeah, that was that was that was just more interesting stuff about I mean such a different NBA back then like in all respects like Jordan Jordan really took it to a new level and you know when I was going to games in 83 you know there there was four four thousand people in the stands at a pacer game it was it was like it was like a, a practice today you know it's very bizarre to see that but yeah. um what about the glass Gatorade bottles they were all carrying around and drinking out of I thought that was pretty funny yeah I, like if I, Barkley, if Barkley, if Barkley drops his Gatorade bottle, it's going to shatter all over the place. Maybe slice Jordan's toe open, <laughs> and his foot will be bleeding again. I get nervous when I see glass bottles. Um, I guess maybe I had a pool growing up as a kid. And my dad would always freak out if he saw glass near the pool. But um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's crazy. Like, I, I, could you imagine like Gatorade bottles being, still being glass? Like, I didn't no, know. I wasn't really around. I remember like, them. Yeah, I don't. I remember them. Like I, I, that's how we drank Gatorade. Was out of a glass bottle. Yeah, and it's, I, it, it was seeing those. It was like flashback. Yeah, I, I wasn't when I would play ball. I, it would be plastic bottles, and I, I don't. That's crazy to me. It's like if you know, someone gets mad. Like people always like you know would drink a Gatorade. If you're, you know, like hey, you know, throw me a Gatorade, and they throw me a Gatorade, take a, take a drink of it, and just <laughs> throw it back. Like what if it got dropped? You know, obviously they probably wouldn't <laughs> take those. Probably wouldn't do that, but. uh yeah, a lot of Gatorade tosses when uh, in summer camps for me. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, so let's talk about the next one, which is really the, the main focus for episode six was gambling, which was great. Uh, I love this one. Uh, and I love the whole – the security guard was really the, the star of the show. Um, you know, after his, the, hair, his hair was the star of the show. Oh, the hair and the Jordan shrug after he beat him was – that was one of my favorite moments of the, <laughs> of the night. Um, and I will add – that quarters game was my jam uh, around that time. Like I would be, um, I want to say I was like seventh or eighth grade, and there was, um, you know, between classes we had like a short, we had a five minute break, right? And so two of my classes were next door to each other, and two of my friends were also in that class. So we would just pretty much use that five minutes to play, <laughs> like we just love it. Um, and then eventually we got in trouble. Someone knocked us out, and then my math teacher, he's like, "Yeah, you guys are just playing here." Like we weren't really gambling much, so it was it was all cool. But I just love. I I, I want to start playing that quarters game was so cool, man. I don't know what at the people. I can't imagine people still play that. But uh, well, I feel like I missed out on something because I've never played the throw quarter as close to the wall as you can. Game. Oh yeah, I loved it. That was solid. Solid that year. I played it pretty much like thousands of times. Apparently, my <laughs> my birth date precluded me from that. Uh, from that endeavor uh i must have been too young i was i was when i would have been playing the game i was too young and by the time it became hot i was too old so i i missed out on the quarter game all, all yeah. altogether. I think, I think that was but a, that dude's hair that, 
the security guard's hair that Jordan, and then Jordan was calling security on security. <laughs> that was great. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that was pretty much like after Pogs went away. Like, Pogs were popping for a little bit, and then everyone got mad, and then I think that's what we went to next. Can't remember. Okay, but so, <laughs> so gambling. Um, yeah. Oh, something else that was said right around this time in the show is uh, Jordan was like, man, when I first got here, because uh, Pippin was like, man, don't 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 put us on camera drinking beers. <laughs> yeah. Jordan's like, man, when I got here, guys would come in the locker room at halftime and drink beer and get a smoke from the coach. Hey, Stan, <laughs> can I get a cigarette? <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Just after like smoking he... Smoking and drinking at halftime. Yeah, and then going right to the press, like, right after that. So, yeah, go to the press real quick. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, just like... And just quickly back to the... Like, LeBron, man. Coming back to him, he's, like, such... You know, his slate's so clean. Um, you know, because Jordan has all of the issues with the gambling. That AC thing was just so overblown. And they talked about the the slim guys gambling debts for the backstory from Aldrich and all that. But, um, yeah, what did you make of, really, the whole going to Atlantic City during New York time? Like you said, he went during the day and they came back around 12.30, 1 o'clock at night. Well, one of, the, one of the TV or one of the uh, newspaper articles headlines said that he, Jordan left at 2.30. Mm. I don't know when he left. I don't really care when he left. Uh, the story is Jordan went gambling with his dad and some friends in Atlantic City uh, the night before one of the, one of the big games. And uh, it was in the newspapers. And then, of course, everybody's asking him if he has a gambling problem. And that's when he's like, no, I have a, I have a competition problem. <laughs> Uh, so that, that was pretty funny, but like for me, I'm, I'm nocturnal and I, I don't need much sleep to do whatever I need to do. So, I mean, for me to be at a casino at two o'clock in the morning and then be ready to play at noon or one, I mean, I just don't think it would be that big of an issue unless, unless I drank like 26 beers, <laughs> yeah, then, then we might have an issue. Rodman certainly, uh, put that test to, to the test <laughs> several times because yeah. I think he, I think he probably played his share of games. I'm not going to say drunk, but certainly hung over and certainly sweating out uh, lots of alcohol. Yeah, that was that was great. Um, what else? Yeah, Atlantic City, like Atlantic City and New York, aren't far apart. You know, that's an easy drive, especially if you know he had a limo, he was chilling, so he had a limo on the way back. So if he had a couple drinks, he obviously wasn't drinking and driving. He's being responsible about it, and just overall, I, people. Complaining about Jordan gambling is is stupid to me, man. Honestly, it just, it just makes no sense. Like, I get it. Like, whatever. It's his money. He could do whatever he wants. You know, he's not obviously he's the greatest player ever, arguably, most likely. And if he wants to gamble, he wants to gamble. There's a lot of worse things to do. So if you like, I mean, gambling's fun. There's a reason why it's such a big money maker. I like to gamble. You know, and like he said that, like he's not like I'm like hawking off my championship rings. So the whole people, the whole uproar was is just lame to me. You know, it's just pretty much trying to nitpick about Jordan, and I, I don't know. I, I obviously enjoyed it, but I just thought it was lame um, for what they did and the whole like Jordan rules Sam Smith story, which is kind of weird because Jordan Smith. I'm sorry, uh, Sam Smith has been like writing for the Bulls for a long time. He does all like mailbags for the Bulls official site, and it's just kind of weird. He's always so nice. He's always gives like rosy answers to the Bulls. Which is kind of funny because, you know, he wrote one of the most bashing Jordan things um, out there. So I thought that was kind of fascinating to me. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, and back to, back to the LeBron thing. Like, LeBron is so clean. Yeah. Um, 
like the only thing he's really ever done that made anybody mad was his decision. Mm-hmm. And you know he did that for himself, and then he then he went back to Cleveland and won him a championship and made up for it. And like like he's just he's just. He's just clean, man. Like, yeah, I promise. Whatever. School so and, awesome. And, and Jordan didn't do Jordan didn't do anything that made me mad either. Like no. Jordan, Jordan, Jordan's good. I yeah. still don't know why he quit and went and played baseball, but I think this documentary gives you a sense of how much just intense scrutiny he was under twenty four seven. I mean, I can't even imagine Jordan. Mm-mm doing what he was doing and trying to deal with social media and the way things are today, like it just wouldn't have worked. Um, he would have had to do everything in secret. He, he would have had to been wearing disguises. He would have had to have decoys <laughs> leaving one in- exit while he left another, like princess Diana trying to get out of somewhere, you know, it, it, it's just so different back then than it is today. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah, like he won, when he won after '93, they had that little segment. And he's like, "Am I good?" You know, done with the media stuff. But yeah, it's yeah, it's it's just, it's pretty cool. Um, what do you think? What do you make of the golf stuff um, with him gambling and um, he like he almost looked like he took offense to the whole like I never bet on you know basketball or anything. I was just pretty much betting on myself for golf and all that. And like, so if you remember the first couple episodes too. He was super competitive with his brothers, and I can relate. My brother's one and a half year younger than years younger than I am, and I think that's part of it. Like I think if you have a sibling who's in, has similar interests, that I mean, I'm people who know me, and you probably know, I'm so competitive about everything I do that I care about, and I think that's part of the reason why. So I think that may be why Jordan kind of turned into being so competitive um, with his family, and he just never left, never left him. That's just who he is. Yeah, and he always he always felt disrespected. He always felt slighted. He always wanted to prove people wrong. He was reading, you know, a lot of stuff written about him. He was talking to reporters like, "I proved you wrong. I proved you wrong. Now I'm gonna prove you wrong." And you know, his Hall of Fame speech did the same thing. And it's just that's just who he is, man. He just he had a chip on his shoulder, and he he wanted to prove anybody who doubted him wrong every time. Yeah. Uh, so pretty. Uh, only other note I have written down is when he wrote. Um, someone asked him a question. He did the the wire. Clay Davis. She not gonna do the T, but uh, I love that. That made me giggle. Like oh, I missed the wire, but uh, and that was before. So apparently MJ made that cool for the the wire to use. I don't know. Yeah, a couple <laughs> things. Uh, Liz Fair, who is a indie rock artist she used to be an indie rock artist now she's just like a, a musician but uh she tweeted out that the song that the bulls did their introductions to the famous you know and out of north carolina alan parsons six, project serious yeah alan parsons project serious i yeah. never realized that was an alan parsons project song but yeah. uh i uh I, I may have i may have thrown that into my itunes <laughs> Uh, over the last week while I'm watching this thing. But uh, that was pretty cool. And then, I don't know if you noticed, but Charles Smith, our boy Charles Smith, who is still <laughs> dinking around in the NBA, they showed his possession at the end of Game 5, and he could not put the ball in the basket. He had yeah. like five tries. Jordan and Pippen were all over him. We didn't let it happen. They won the game. Uh, and that was huge. If, if Charles Smith would have been able to get, the, get one of those to Changed the course of history, so I thought that was pretty wild. The Knicks were the Knicks made the playoffs every year in the nineties, I believe, right? 
want to say. Uh, Pretty close. close. They were, yeah, they were, at least. They were, they, were t- they were the team to beat. They yeah. were the team that was going to stop the Bulls if anybody was going to. And it, it, long story short, 93, I think they became the, what, third team in NBA history to three-peat. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was pretty big. And then Charles Barkley versus Michael Jordan. A yeah. Barkley quote that I thought was crazy. Well, first of all, Jordan was hung up on the fact that Charles Barkley won the MVP that year. Yeah. And he's like, you know, he won the MVP, fine. I'm going to go win a title. But he was mad that Barkley won the MVP instead of him. And he and he carried that onto the court. He carried it into the series. It impacted what happened in that series. It's just another example of Jordan just not letting anything slide. Nothing nothing gets by him. Nothing goes. And then another guy, Dan Marley. Dan Marley was guarding Jordan. And Jordan was like, oh, Jerry loves Dan Marley. Jerry thinks Dan Marley's a great defensive player. I'm going to show him that he's not. And he went out there and just dominated Dan Marley yeah. <laughs> despite, despite Jerry Krause. And it's, it's just... The guy, you talk about killer instinct and just an assassin, man. Like, Jordan just didn't care. He was going to take you out. Um, so that the Marley and Chuck thing was cool. And then something that Charles Barkley said that really struck me. He said, I played as well as I could have possibly played in that game. And I, I don't remember exactly what. It was one of the games yeah. in the finals of, of 90. Game two. And he said, Jordan was better than me. Like, Jordan didn't have his best game, but still made my best game I could played look like crap. And yeah. and that's just that, that's saying something because Barkley's a good player. And the other Chuck quote that was great was when they were talking about, you know, boarding up the windows after game five, so they thought the Bulls were gonna win it. And he's like, oh, better open up the windows. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Dude, Chuck I honestly we don't we kinda of forget how good Chuck is because we troll him for the who he played for and just being so entertaining, but he can play, man. You know that forty-point triple-double in, in the playoffs, like that's obviously rare. We, you know, you and I, and everyone who uh, looks at basketball stats, every once in a while you bump into the big Barkley stat lines for you know triple doubles, and you know he has a few big steal games with high rebounds and this and that. But yeah, he's and again to win MVP over MJ is insane. But they had the and I, this is makes this is what makes me mad. I hate when people just lean on record. You know, like, oh, they had the best record, give him MVP. Like, that's obviously a huge part of people's thinking. I hate that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a team sport, man. Like, you know, you, don't, you could be the best player and not be on the best team. Anyways, but... Um, well, and Barkley, when he came in the league, he was so big. But he was so fast, he could handle the ball. He could jump, he yeah. could dunk. Like, he, he, was a, he was a beast, man. He was a really good player. Yeah. And Marley, too. Like, it's... Yeah, there, he's he had a nice little run. And uh, just kind of tangent... Uh, there's so many like Suns greats ish that like just went to the Heat afterwards, like Marley, Marion, Dragic. I don't know. I just kind of thought about that. This just crossed my mind when I was watching Marley. Uh, and then yeah, the, just back to the MS, MSG in the '90s was like so amazing. Uh, I, I used to just love going there. Just uh, I would take the train, um, Princeton Junction train station, straight to Pennsylvania station. It's so awesome. But. Uh, yeah, just... yeah, it was cool seeing Spike mess with Jordan, <laughs> Jordan mess with Spike, and Spike messing with Reggie, Reggie messing with Spike and all that. Uh, Jordan averaged 41 points a game in the NBA Finals in 93. Like, that is stupid. Yeah. Only three players ever, insane. if I remember, was Elgin Bear, Baylor and Rick Barry, I think, were the other two. From the, that was on the show last night. That's not me. <laughs> and then, and then when, they went, when they were going back to Phoenix for Game 6, Jordan told 
called a team meeting and said, we're only taking one suit, <laughs> yeah. which that's kind of a famous story. And, and yeah. it's, it's true. I mean, they, they shut him down, got it done. Um, John Paxson hit a huge three to win game six. Uh, that was pretty cool. And in game five, I think that's the one that went triple overtime when, um, when Phoenix won and, and sent, the, sent the series back to Phoenix. It was cool seeing Paul Westfall on the sidelines screaming, Michael Jordan is not going to beat us. Take him out. You know, just take him out and let somebody else beat us. And, and they took him out and, and somebody else did not beat them. And they, they forced the game six. But then Jordan and Paxson took care of it. Uh, took care of it in game six. So. Would would Paxson have worked for the Bulls as long as he did in the front office without that shot? I'm going to go ahead and say no. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. His brother, Jim Paxson, played for the Blazers. And, uh, he gave my brother a pair of his shoes one time, and they they were they were Converse All Stars, you know, the Dr. J shoe. That's that's what everybody was wearing, man. That Converse All Star, Mark Aguirre, Rick Mahorn, uh, Dominique, Dr. J, um, Magic. All those guys were wearing the, the Converse All Stars back then, and then and then eventually the weapon the weapon came out and <laughs> and ended the the run of the Converse All Star, but. Uh, the Converse Dr. J All Star is one of my one of my all time favorite shoes. Yes. Yeah, they're pretty. Uh, pretty. They're still pop. People still rock those nowadays. Pretty trendy. Cool. Yeah, Anything I else got you got? That. No, man. I think I think uh, I think we pretty much covered uh, episodes five and six. We got seven and eight coming Sunday, so we'll be back here on Monday. And then we got nine and ten. The week after that, and the interesting thing about nine and ten is I don't think anybody's seen nine and ten. I think I think a lot of the press has seen through episode eight, but mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's seen the last two. So uh, we we've had a lot of stuff leaked, a lot of people talking about what happens in these up to this point, but I don't think very many people know uh, what episodes nine and ten are going to hold in store. So two weeks from today. We'll be talking about those, and I'm I'm pretty pretty fired up about that one. And I heard they're not all the way done. Done at least as of like a few days ago, they're not like officially done. So yeah, um, it's pretty sweet. But um, yeah, just a quick promo stuff. Um, I put out a Jonathan Isaac article. That's I love writing this thing. Check that out. Um, Kevin Durant and John Wall were last week. Those are out there. You had your five targets, and you got something out tomorrow. I got uh, Kyrie article coming out Thursday. Oh, sweet. I think I'm going to go with five guys I will not be drafting this year. Nice. And I, I haven't put it together yet. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see if Kevin Durant makes that list or not. Really? All right. I, I'm de- he's going to be on my targets for sure. He's really good. Check it just, out. It just depends on how high. Yeah. yeah that, that first turn is going to be tough. There's a, a lot of guys that you can make a case for there, like your Tatums and KDs. And I, I'm warming up on Beal, by the way, after writing up John Wall. There you go. Yeah. So that, that my, my whole draft, my whole draft will be dictated by Trey and Luca, and, and if I can get them in the first round, and, and then where it goes from there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can. Where it, Unless well, maybe I'm gonna, be able, to, yeah. I'm gonna be able to get both of them, but yeah, it depends yeah, yeah. on which one I get and where I get them as to what happens with the rest of my drafts. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Cool, man. See you guys. Enjoy your week, and thanks for going on, man. Mike, you're back on Friday, right? Yeah, back Friday. It'll be Jonas and me doing. Um, we'll do some Eastern. I'm sorry, Western Conference veterans. Talk a little Johnny Isaac. Um, probably talk a little Kyrie. But the article Jonas has an injury article coming out, so it'll probably be all that stuff. So be cool. Awesome. All right, you guys take care.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.